Hi, on this episode of Real Time Truth, we're going to talk about hell insurance. Need a quote? No, hell insurance is not something we should seek for our lives or for that of our children. Hell insurance, I'm portraying to you, is something that often kids will pray a prayer when they're young because they don't want to go to hell. But are they really born again? Mom and Dad, if you're listening to this, watching this, this episode is going to ask the question, do you have spiritual expectations of your children? Because if you don't, then you may just want for them just an insurance policy to keep them out of hell. But Jesus is more than that. He is one to be followed. And we're going to talk about that on this episode. Join us. Welcome to another episode of Real Time Truth, where in 19 minutes you're going to hear a biblical perspective on things that you deal with every day in your home, church, community, and the surrounding culture. I'm Matthew McNeil. And I'm Pastor Kevin Brown. And today, you've already read the title, Hell Insurance. Have you ever heard of such a thing? <laughs> when, when I've heard of it, I mean, we're not actually talking about a real policy here, just so you know, okay? Even but, though we could prescribe a quote. Exactly. <laughs> uh, when I've heard of it reference, it's usually a knee-jerk reaction. It's someone who's, they've heard a gospel invitation, mm-hmm. they're scared because of a description of hell that they've just heard, yeah. and so they repeat the words after the preacher that says, if you pray this prayer, you'll be saved, yeah. and they basically open up their policy in the event of hell. Yeah. But the thing is, I want to drive home to our listeners and our viewers today, is that that's not exactly where we're going. We, that perspective is just looking at it from the, from the individual who has, quote, prayed the prayer. But we're talking about a little something different today. And Kevin, when you say hell insurance, what do you mean by it? Yeah, um, I'll try to give a brief answer because our time is short. We want to make the time short so you'll have the opportunity to listen to this, driving back and forth from work or school or whatever you're doing. Here in America, in the South, we drive um, our evangelism by encouraging people to make decisions. And there's nothing wrong with that. We have to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. We have to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. So we want our children to know the Lord. And we we know that as children get older, certainly after they get beyond the age of 18, uh, it gets harder and harder for a person to, to, to receive Christ according to the stats. So we're always pushing for our young people, and certainly by the time they get in their teenage years, to accept Christ because we know that the clock is ticking. Um, and the older they get, the less likely they are. So, but the, the issue of hell insurance is this. So we, we want our children to be saved. And so our children, because they don't want to go to hell, they, they, they maybe hear a pastor, even though he maybe isn't pounding the pulpit and sweats flying and spits coming out of his mouth, be saved, turn or burn. Maybe they're not even afraid necessarily, but they hear, okay, if I pray a prayer, and I walk up to the front, and I shake that man's hand, and then he presents me to the church, and the people come by me at the end of the service and pat me on top of the head, and I get baptized, then I'm a Christian. I'm in, and I don't have to go to hell. Okay, if that young person truly, genuinely recognized they were a sinner, like we all have to, young or old, 
repented of that sin and called on the name of Jesus to save them from that sin. They're being saved from something. Mm -hmm. They're being saved from themselves, from sin. Then they're born again. Mm -hmm. The hell insurance, and the reason I talk about this, I wrote this book several years ago now, Raising Christ-Centered Young Adults. I'm holding up a book for those who are listening. And there's this section in there called hell insurance. And, And it's this idea that it's almost as we jokingly talked about it at the beginning is that it's an insurance policy that somebody can say they can stand before God one day the Lord Jesus and say um, Jesus says why should I let you into my kingdom and any other answer other than to say to him because I've received you as my Lord and Savior is wrong but we then almost like holding up an insurance policy well Jesus of course you know uh, on December the 4th you know 2019 I invited you into my life and I, I walked the aisle and people came by and patted me on the head and I was baptized that may or may not have been a salvation experience for you it, it could have just been works you walked in front of a church, you prayed a prayer, but you may have not sincerely decided to follow Jesus. You just did stuff yeah. to be saved. Did stuff to be saved. And my fear is there are a lot of there are a lot of people who actually think they're saved because of something they did and they're not born again. They've never really been regenerated and changed and the the thing that 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 has been so burdensome to me through the years and even one of the things honestly Matthew that that got me into the ministry was this idea of getting the faith passed down to the next generation and the thing that 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 really struck me here here at our church at Mount Pleasant I taught the high school Sunday school class, and that ultimately went down to the seventh grade. For about a decade, I taught seventh grade through twelfth grade Sunday school. Okay, there'll be stars in my crown. Okay, <laughs> I'm telling you, especially when the cell phones came in, just trying to get the kids off the cell phone. By the way, they had to put their phones in a basket. Uh, today, there would be uh, who knows what somebody. Oh, you're making my kid listen in class. Yeah, we'd like for them to. But be that as it may, I found that as I look back through the roles of, and I kept roll, you know, checking off the little boxes when they're here and they're not here. And I go back and look at those roles and I have them for all the years that I taught, have the names. And I look at, okay, they're now 25 years old, 28 years old. Are they following Christ? This is not being judgmental. This is looking for evidence. Mm-hmm. Is there fruit in their life? And, 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 and so I look at the roles and I go, no, he's not. No, she's not. And that's based on what I see, whether it's through social media, whether they dropped out of church. And so here, here's the thing. You look at the statistics today and you pick the study anywhere from 70 to 92 percent. The worst study I saw between 70 and 92 percent of Christian teenagers. These are raised in Christian homes in Protestant churches who came up through children's church, through youth groups. 70 to 92 percent of those young people will walk away from the faith by their 20th birthday. And so. So the researchers say, we've got a walking away problem. We've got to somehow hold on to them. You know, here's what I believe, Matthew. We never had them to begin with. They just walked an aisle. They prayed a prayer. 
They, they got wet in, in some creek or pond or pool or, or baptistry, but they were never born again. They got, they got a hell insurance quote because they didn't want to go to hell. What nine-year-old wants to go to hell? Seriously. And so they pray a prayer. They do the work. They walk the aisle. They muster up the courage to stand in front of a bunch of people, have their hands shook, mess your hair up as they walk on the way out. But that may or may not mean that they're born again. There's more to it than just a one-time decision. There must be a decision, but there's more to it than just saying, been there, done that, bought the T-shirt, to use the old saying. And so maybe just to kind of give the example, how does that look now? How does that look? You've, you've heard parents talk about kids, mm-hmm. um, and, and you've seen the, just now you, you mentioned the fruit or the lack thereof in, in the lives of these. With someone who has, they looked at a salvation ex- experience as just that. They, it was more about the prayer they prayed yeah. and the moment than it was actually giving their life to Jesus, mm-hmm. recognizing their lifelong need for him, what does the people who they didn't see that that time is that, what does their life look like now? Yeah. What what Jesus said in scripture is what we're to do. He said you'll know them by the fruit they bear. So you're looking for fruit, you're looking for evidence. Think of it like a court of law. You know, you've heard the old saying, if if you were if someone was trying to convict you of being a Christian in a court of law, would there be enough evidence to convict me, you, you watching, listening? Is there evidence? We're looking for fruit. Jesus said, they honor me with their lips, mm-hmm. but their hearts are far from me. So what does that mean? I mean, it, it's, it's, it's this saying. It's more than just talking the, the talk. It is walking the talk. You put legs to what your lips are saying. Mm-hmm. You actually are following Jesus. I actually had lunch recently with a young man, and, and he talked about this very thing. And Matthew, you and I have talked about it. I think our story is similar. Mm-hmm. We both made uh, decisions when we were younger, but I think it was later in life, much as this young man I was having lunch with said the same thing. He said, you know, he said, Pastor Kevin, he said, being saved, I realize now as a, as a young man in his mid-20s, he says, is more than just a decision. He said, it is actually following Jesus mm-hmm. and following his principles in Scripture. He said, it is me orienting my life to look like Jesus and actually walking in that direction, following him so that someone can look at my life and say, he is different. There are so many people, even from good Christian families, who, again, this is, I don't say this in a judgmental way, but just look at someone's social media and you can tell what they really are mm-hmm. and and they're drinking, cussing, partying, whatever. But if you ask them if they're saved, oh, yeah, yeah, I got saved when I, and they'll tell you the name of the place, date, time. It was at a tent. It was at a a Christian concert. It was at a youth camp. It was pastor so-and-so because we, and we don't mean to, but we drive so hard for just making decisions. Every service in every Southern Baptist church drives to that invitation, drives to that last three minutes. Raise your hand, close your eyes, and the preacher's snapping his fingers. Raise your hand. Now repeat this prayer after me. And they repeat the prayer. 
And they raise their hand. And so they're in. And that's what they point back to. But yet, they're now 30 years old and do not have a desire for the things of God. They don't read the Bible. They don't pray. But yet, if you ask them if they're saved, oh, yes, they're guaranteed for sure saved because they remember when they made the decision. The decision for what? The decision to stay out of hell, Mm -hmm. okay? The decision because a buddy of theirs went forward or because they felt pressure that, hey, I'm 17, I guess I probably need to do this. Mama's been on me for years to do this. Okay, I'll just get this over with. And they may or may not be following Christ. The thing that I'll say, and I say this in love, having pastored now for almost 15 years, um, sometimes I'll ask a, a parent who says to me, I'm, I'm worried about my child if they're following Christ. And I'll say to them, um, well, are they saved? Oh, yeah, Pastor, they're, they're, they're saved. I mean, I, mean you know, I was there when they were saved. I mean, I, I, and, and well, you baptized them, Pastor. And I say lovingly, so? The question that, I've, that I ask now is this. What have they done in the last week, just in the last seven days, that would give evidence that they're born again? Hmm. Do they, have you caught them praying? Do they have a desire to read the Bible? I'm not saying that they're going to have their nose in the Bible every waking moment. They can. Kids have got to study. They've got whatever. But we're looking for evidence that our kids are doing well in school. How? By their grades. Mm -hmm. We're looking for evidence that they're doing well in their extracurricular. I mean, the kid plays football. How many yards per carry is he averaging? The dad knows. Mm -hmm. He's averaging 6.8 yards per carry. Great. Is he saved? Uh, Well, yeah. Um, Yeah, he he got, yeah, he did that when he was 10 or something. How old was he, honey? Was he 10 or 11? We don't even know. But the difference is in the expectations. Yes. Mm-hmm. You you were just talking about academics and extracurricular things. Um, you know, we expect them. I mean, and I think about like my own household. It's so easy to ask the questions to like to my kids, which you know are all under age ten. You know, did you did you get all your room picked up? Mm-hmm. Did you get your schoolwork done? Mm-hmm. They're homeschooled. Mm-hmm. Um, did you did you take care of the dog this morning and all these things? You know, we're yeah. we're and we're checking behind them. We have an expectation. You are this old. You should be operating at this level in this area, whether it's school, whether it's sports, whether it's dance, whether you name it. Yeah. But do we have those same expectations of them in their spirituality if they claim to be saved? Yeah. Right. I, the answer is no. I don't think we do. And I, I, I'm, I be, and this has kind of been the tone and tenor of our podcasts of late, is talking about, okay, do we have a spiritual vision for our home and, mm-hmm. and things such as that. And, and we're going to have future podcasts that are coming up. We're going we're gonna to talk about how to have family devotion so it, it's, it doesn't feel like a root canal. In fact, uh, we're going to have an upcoming um, podcast that I'm going to invite my wife to mm-hmm. come on and be a guest. And so you ladies and, and gentlemen, whoever might be listening or watching, you're going to hear from a woman's perspective. What does it look like from a woman's perspective, a lady's perspective, in a home to raise a Christian family? Mm-hmm. And so Pam is going to come in. I think it'll be a, a fantastic. It'll be great. It'll be a fascinating time. And, and that'll be coming up. But, but we're still, we're, what we're, we're talking about here is 
that this idea of our our children's salvation is more than just the decision. Mm-hmm. That is the beginning. We we recently uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, actually on a Wednesday night, we had a a, a young man um, who was seven years old. He came back to, we have a decision room here in the church at the end of services. We don't try to squeeze so much in at the end of our services now. Um, we're, we try to talk to somebody in a three-minute song uh, about something as important as their soul. So we have a place to, where you can come to the back of the church and sit down and, 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 and talk with a pastor or someone that's uh, one of our trained counselors. Anyway, the young man, um, he, he, was, he really wanted to be saved. Why? Because he didn't want to go to hell. And you know what? The the uh, service that's not had nothing to do with hell. I mean, I really believe the Holy Spirit was working in this mm-hmm. little boy's life and had been for some time. He's been raised in a Christian home, a good mom and dad, loved the Lord. They're here very consistently. They're very dedicated people. And so that's all good. But I said to the young man's dad, as, as, as the young man ran out with one of his uh, siblings, I said to him, I said, this is awesome, and I hugged his neck. But I said, now the work begins. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me like, like what? And I'm like, this is just the beginning. This is not the end. It's just the birth. It's just the birth. Because sometimes we think, okay, that's the be-all, end-all. Check it off our, the box for our kid's life. They're saved now. Maybe, maybe not. Now we have to watch. Um, for years, went to Ethiopia. Um, we've not even talked about this. We normally plan these things, believe it or not. We, we, We're going off script here, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> in Ethiopia, and in, in, in Alaba Kalito, where we've done work as a church, they will not baptize anyone under the age of 18. Hmm. Because they say they want to make certain that that young person understands fully hmm. what it means to follow Christ. Now, I'm not advocating that. But I'm just saying that it's is a powerful picture. It's, a, it's pow- a powerful expectation. It is. It is. And 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 honestly, if you look at the New Testament, you don't see children being saved in the New Testament. There's no example that I can point to of a teenager, something of that nature. Well, and that's what I wanted to point out, what you just said about the young man you just mentioned in the mm-hmm. decision room. The fact that, again, the message was not geared toward hell or any discussion yeah. of it, but he had been thinking of it. Yes. And see, and, and you're going to mention this here in just a second, but... You were saying you don't see accounts of child or or young teen conversions in the New Testament because why? They're assumed. They're assumed because it's assumed that th- these are all brand new Christians, okay? This hadn't been passed down. These, these are first-generation Christians. And so it is vitally important to that family that they are teaching and training in the home. So it's assumed. And that's what it is. That's it. There's that connection and between the fact that the message is so vital. Yes. And the family is connected. Yes. That they are making sure that this news about forgiveness of sins through the death of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. is in their child's heart. Yeah. They're making sure. That is the key. And so we'll develop this further in future podcasts. But I guess we'll wrap it up here by saying my favorite verse has become this verse in Scripture, Third John 4. I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. That is the, my greatest joy. And so um, we seek to, to bring kids to Christ, but then we watch their lives, make certain we're teaching and training, and then watch. That's right. 
Well, guys, as Kevin already mentioned, tune in for that upcoming episode where we have Pam on. You're going to really enjoy that. It's a great woman's perspective, a retrospective, if you will, about how things worked out as she's done it, as she's still doing it. Yep. And so this has been another episode of Real Time Truth. I'm Matthew McNeil. I'm Pastor Kevin Brown. Thanks for joining us. Take care.